Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, bringing insight and inspiration into how digital technology is shaping our profession. I'm your host, James Meads, tea drinker, expat, and definitely not your typical consultant. Welcome to another edition of the ProcureTech podcast, where every week we bring you stories, insights, and thought leadership from everyone who are the movers and shakers within the procurement technology space. And this week is no different. And for those of you who are maybe listening and are just starting to embark on your digital procurement journey, or maybe don't really understand all of the different options and choices that are out there today's episode is going to be a wealth of information for you we're going to dig into the subject of why a traditional erp system such as sap or oracle is not really helpful in terms of what you want to get out of it as a procurement professional and then we'll dig into some of the reasons why and also then look at some of the different technological solutions out there And what are the pros and cons of those different approaches, depending on the size of your business and the maturity of your organization? And to do this, I've brought someone onto the show who is a wealth of experience in the source to pay and procure to pay field to dive into this topic. So, Joël Colandemers, welcome to the ProcureTech podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So, Joel, just tell us really quickly what brought you into this space and your background, and we'll dive in from there. Yeah, sure. So I've uh, been in the procurement tech space or procurement implementation space uh, for just around just under 10 years now, right? So I started off fresh out of school at, at IBM uh, in, in corporate uh, consulting and, and did a lot of SAP implementations uh, for the materials management modules, which traditionally serves procurement uh, and inventory management uh, functions within the business. And uh, recently, so, so progressed there and, and did a number of initiatives. I think last time I counted, had, had worked with uh, 10 clients in, in eight different industries for 12 different transformation projects around procurement. So I'm starting to have gone around the block and, and seen the different things that you can do. Uh, because as as you know, uh, I'm sure you've heard the quote before that an expert is is someone who's done all of, or seen all of the mistakes that you can possibly do in a narrow field. Uh, so I, I've big, I'm beginning to have uh, gone around the block, uh, and uh, in the last year and a half, I've I've um, started my own consultancy practice um, for this exact thing, right? So for developing roadmaps with organizations that want to. Uh, develop uh, their maturity in the procurement space and and how that translates into technology and and putting that all together uh, so that you get to your end game. Fantastic. So let's dive in then with with the really meaty question first of all because normally I wouldn't do this but I think in this case it's really good to examine this first and then sort of dive into the some of the detail behind that. So why are enterprise level ERP systems such as SAP and Oracle being the most common ones I guess not necessarily the right solution for procurement teams to get the data from them that they want to get. And I think that's a very important question, right? I think it's an essential system to have, uh, especially when you get to a certain size in in your corporation, uh, because it's essential for integration with the other functions, right? So finance, HR, 
um, your inventory management uh, functions as well, right? So I, I, I don't think it's um, something that you can get rid of or do without uh, once you get to a certain size as an organization. However, it's, it's, um, they're, they're mostly lacking critical functions that uh, procurement needs to be able to deliver value for the business, right? So most traditional ERP systems do not have, for example, um, big spend management uh, modules integrated into uh, the solution, or they don't have uh, sourcing, sourcing capabilities uh, that are needed to be able to go out to market uh, for different RFX events, right? Whether it be RFQ, request for quotations, request for informations, or uh, request for proposals. Uh, and then the last piece is also contract management, uh, where uh, signing a legal contract and the workflow that needs to happen there and the signatures uh, is not necessarily supported within these ERP systems. And actually, I'll add, I'll add one last one, which is vendor management, right? So being able to manage a vendor's life cycle through your business and, and when they onboard and the certifications that they need to have uh, and then how that data flows through different systems and then what happens at the end of the relationship to to make sure that uh, your organization is not able to use that vendor again, right? So all of those functionalities I just mentioned aren't typically or in the, the big ERPs, right? So as I know SAP and Oracle are working on their, uh, their newer versions, but those big systems are usually slower to evolve than uh, the applications that, that are catering specifically to procurement uh, in the source-to-pay space. You've covered a lot of the technical reasons why, why they're not necessarily suitable for, for getting data out that procurement teams want to use. But a big one for me as well, I mean, I've never used Oracle, but I've used SAP uh, extensively is just user experience and how complicated it is. I mean, I, I get the feeling with with SAP that y you need to be a super user to be able to use it properly. Oh, for sure. And I mean, there's that's that's a big sticking point as well that you see uh, f for folks using traditional ERP systems, right? That, that's why they're turning to source to pay uh, technology to be able to have web interfaces and uh, have fields that are specific to their businesses without having to uh, pay an arm and a leg to change the backend system, right? So uh, I think that does play a role, but at the end of the day, for me, it's all about supporting process in the most integrated way for possible from end to end, right? So the technology plays a piece, but then you have to think about how am I gonna get my spend insights at the beginning of, of the process through a sourcing event, through a contract into potentially a catalog or a contract item in, in a system, whether it be your backend DRP or a source to pay buying system, and then all the way to payables, right, which we haven't touched on yet, but that all needs to be looked at holistically to be able to, to function. So we've established then that using an enterprise level ERP system probably won't get what we need as procurement professionals, but that there's a whole array of different tools out there on the market that are catering to this nowadays and and the whole procure tech industry especially in the last sort of four or five years has has exploded and i think before we dig into all of the different solutions out there maybe if you could explain the difference between what is what, what is often called p2p and s2c um, I, I'm, I'm a person that generally hates acronyms, so I think that would be a good place to start, just in case someone that's listening to this doesn't know. Um, and then we can dive into, you know, some of the different solutions out there and, and the nuances and differences and pros and cons of those. So from a, 
from a process perspective, uh, source to, like let's start with S2C, which is source to contract, right? So that's uh, usually at the at the start of your your procurement process where you're deciding how to go out to market to source a specific requirement, uh, and then once you get your vendor bids back, you decide who who wins the bid. You bring them into contract negotiations, establish a formal contract, sign it, and then you have something to go on for when you actually need to buy. Uh, those different goods, right? And that can be in a CapEx, capital expenditure setting, or in an OPEX setting, oper uh, operational expenditure setting, right? So that's the source to, uh, source to contract piece. And then that feeds into uh, what's usually referred to as P2P or procure to pay, right? So procure to pay is I have a specific requirement. I put a purchase requisition out um, to, to be able to get approval on the purchase that I want to, to, to do as someone in the corporation. Uh, that gets approved. We cut a, a purchase order and send it to the vendor. They fulfill that uh, requirement. We get a goods receipt uh, or a services receipt right, uh, in the system or in, in the company to say, yes, we've actually received the good. It's good quality. It's, it meets our requirements. It meets the contract uh, or the purchase order, depending on if you have a contract or not. And then you get eventually that that invoice at the end of the process where you have to decide you have to find okay well are there extra fees um, does this match up with what we ordered and then s send that off for payment right so that piece is procure to pay and that's usually what people will refer to as purchasing um, whereas if you're looking for procurement or for the whole the whole value that can be derived from a procurement function then you're including source to contract uh, up front and the whole thing I would refer to it as source to pay so you'll often hear that as well so in in simple terms then a p2p generally would cover the more transactional side of what procurement or purchasing would would do and and source to contract is is the complete end to end so if we're talking about um, procure tech or software solutions to 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 solve this then a source to contract solution would have a sourcing model module at the beginning to do things like RFIs, RFPs, RFQs, scouting, uh, and and also then some kind of contract mod uh, contract management or contract sign off module at the end. Yeah, that's right. And and just to tie it back to what we were saying earlier, a system like SAP or Oracle will usually do that transactional piece very well, but will not do the sourcing and contract management piece very well, and that's where. Uh, all these providers that you're mentioning, I think the last time I saw like a, a compilation, there was over 60 vendors in this space uh, worldwide, right? So it's it's getting pretty crowded. I think there's more than um, that now. They were... <laughs> yeah, they, I stumble across well, them every yeah. day when uh, when 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 I look on Twitter, when I follow someone on Twitter, then something else pops pops up. And I didn't know who they were. <laughs> they, yeah. yeah, I'll say I'll say um, 60 like recognized ones that have a full full functionality or, you know, have a, a good footprint in the market. I'll put it that way because yeah, you're right. It seems like there's a new, a new procure tech company popping up every day. Um, but yeah, so, so SAP will do that transactional piece very well. And then the gaps that are left, uh, that's where you see all these, these uh, solution providers popping up. So there are a lot of solution providers out there. Some of them new, some of them not so new. And and if I go to some of the more established ones in the market, which are typically the bigger sort of more enterprise level solutions that that larger companies would use, I'm thinking, you know, the Coopers, the Zykuses, the iValuers of the world. I mean, I know there are more as well, but I think they're the big three. How are they different then from a company just using SAP or Oracle to, to, to do their procurement? 
So usually those types of systems will be will be will come in into play in two different situations, right? Either you're a small to medium business and, and you're getting to a point where you need something more structured to manage your procurement activities. So you'll look to one of those and you don't necessarily have a back-end ERP system, right? So you'll look to one of those to support the majority of your procurement uh, activities or operations, right? And uh, you're able to, at the end of the process, just get a payment file out and then send that into an accounting system. And and that's, that's all she wrote, right? That's all you need in terms of, of integration with uh, the rest of your company and the rest of your systems. And then there's other, the other aspect is usually with, with larger corporations, they will have an SAP or an Oracle or a JD Edwards ERP system in the back end. And it's doing uh, a lot of procurement transactions already. And it's got a lot of linkage with inventory management and potentially quality management and all these other uh, business functions. And then Evaluozyke is Coupa, uh, Ariba, or even Baseware, right, would come in and integrate with that ERP system. And that's where it gets a lot more complex because you have to decide, uh, okay, what functions or what, what processes and activities am I going to put in a, uh, one of these source to pay solutions? And what am I going to keep in the back end ERP system and why, right? And that's, that's where the, the complexity uh, comes about. And that's where you, you want to have folks on your side that have done it before because there's a lot of potential pitfalls. So because those solutions are typically more complex and would require integration with an ERP system, whereas, you know, some of the more standalone software solutions or, or what we call best of breed that concentrate on just one specific aspect of the source to contract cycle may sit in the cloud and be and, and be able to sort of work organically without any any ERP integration. Does that then have a bearing on what solutions generally tend to be viable for different sizes of business? So, I mean, for example, if you've got a business with, say, three production sites and, and 400 employees, it's going to be a lot tougher just from a cost and expense perspective to be able to you know, submit to a CFO a calculation that justifies the pay, the investment in terms of, you know, payback within one or two years, as opposed to if you're, you know, 40 billion corporate conglomerate with offices or, or, or operations in 10, 15 different countries and thousands of employees. Oh, for sure. And, and I think you can you can break that up into into different uh, blocks as well over time, right? Like it's it's much easier. The complexity comes as when you have integration, right? That's that's clear for me. So uh, if you don't want to manage that complexity up front and you, you you don't even have a mature process yet, then you could turn to these technologies. Um, to do your sourcing processes, for example, and structure them in a, in a, in a meaningful and value-generating way in the cloud, right, or in one of these uh, solutions we mentioned earlier, without integrating to any other system, right? And uh, what that will do is, is it will force you to have manual integration activities, uh, you know, either at the, the, the front during or, or at the end of your process to feed information to, into other systems. But what it will what it will do is is give you the tools to um, get to a more mature state in your process. And once you've gotten there, then you can start looking at integration with other systems, right? Because um, I've seen a lot of businesses try to do both at the same time, where uh, they don't have mature sourcing or contract management processes. Uh, and instead of doing this first step and then integrating later on when they they understand the how to integrate manually right the information flow between different uh, 
different systems, they jump into integration from the start and they kind of let the tool dictate how their process should run or they try to fit what they think their process will be into the integration and, and then you get a whole mix of um, of different scenarios that can happen, but most of them are bad, right? <laughs> because you're you're trying to you're you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, but at the same time you haven't decided what size the hole is going to be yet. Anyways, I'm trying to I'm diving deeply into analogies here, but it's just a bad idea to do everything at the same time, is what I'm trying to say. So, so kind of reading a little bit between the lines, then Joel, would you say that um, for for a company that doesn't ha have a mature sourcing or procurement function? it's probably a better approach to take a sort of best of breed, best of breed approach for a couple of um, different points along the source to contract cycle um, to get those under control and get a feeling of, you know, sort of bringing technology into the business and, and using that to drive process before going down a complete enterprise level solution for, for a procurement software solution provider. Right. And, and I think that's a, uh, a roadmap question, right? It's if you're able to, uh, sort of plan your your guiding principles and your high level objectives and milestones in time, right? Whether that be on a five, ten, or fifteen year journey, where you're saying, okay, well, here's where we are today. Let's be let's be honest about that, and let's have a, let's do the exercise to clearly know what our maturity level is in in all these different aspects of the procurement process. Uh, and then from there, establish what your objectives are, right? Like you might have you might be in an industry where uh, the name of the game is is sourcing, right? And you're able to do a lot of damage or get a lot of savings and and, and cost benefits uh, with sourcing activities, right? Because of the nature of your your industry and your market. So you're going to want to become very mature in that space, right? And so uh, when you get to your desired end state, you're going to want to have that integration from sourcing into your transactional processes, right? Whereas with contract management, it might not be the case, right? So uh, so then you could you could opt for um, something that's more best of breed in, in that space because you know there's not going to be a lot of integration with with other uh, with other systems right so I think you need to ask yourself those questions up front uh, because if you have the approach that you're mentioning where you say okay well I'm going to go best of breed here now because uh, you know we we don't know necessarily where we're heading down the road well then you you start to invest into this system. And it makes it it makes the switching cost a lot more important later on, right? Whereas if from the start you've thought about your roadmap, you've thought about where you want to end up from a desired state perspective, right? At the at the end game, even though it might take 10, 15 years to get there, realistically speaking, um, then you're going to make choices that you don't have to go back on uh, over time, right? So uh, I, I hate to give you the the classic consulting answer. It depends, <laughs> but it's really that's that's what it is, right? It's it's you need to understand your context uh, and your reality uh, from multiple perspectives, whether it be IT architecture wise, whether it be uh, business wise and, and your the market that you and industry that you live in. Uh, how hard is it to get talent uh, within your business as well? Right. So are, can you get people that are technologically savvy and procurement savvy to to, to operate in your business or where you are? And, and that will all have impacts on, on how you want to approach this. And you made a couple of really good points there because, yeah, people we've not really touched on people, but it's such a big factor, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, I mean, along with data, which we which I've spoken about at length with um, with some pre with some of my previous guests on the show, 
you know if you if you put garbage in you get garbage out but if you if your people aren't are not well trained or are not well versed in in this whole setup you're also going to get limited use out of out of an expensive solution it's a bit like putting a ferrari engine in, in into a hyundai it's yeah. um oh, for sure. if you've got it if you've got an expensive tool but you've not got the you've not got the staff to operate it then then yeah it's uh, it, it's kind of useless i mean it's uh, i mean do you find in in going into procurement teams that you're that you're supporting to implement these solutions do do they generally do they generally have data scientists that are sat within procurement or they or do they tend to borrow them from other departments yeah usually not in procurement right i haven't seen that uh i've seen that maybe once i think over the over the last 10 years um usually most organizations will be in the state that you mentioned where there's always less staff for the amount of things that you want to be able to do and these types of projects are there to bring efficiencies whether on the cost side so that we can justify more FTEs or on the process efficiency side so that we can we can uh, take FTEs out of transactional processes and put them into more strategic activities right so uh, and then in doing that it goes back to what we were mentioning earlier like you have to have a transition plan for those folks right how do they grow capabilities to be able to switch from a an operational role to a, a tactical or even strategic role um, and, and I would add there's a bunch of other things that that you know before going out to market and, and selecting one of these solutions you want you'd want to think about um, so establishing a, a strong lasting partnership with IT because this is a technology right you're bringing it into your business you want it to to speak with other systems or otherwise you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to have a bunch of Excel files flying around right which is what you're trying to get away from exactly <laughs> uh you want to understand and optimize your current processes right which i, I kind of touched on a little bit earlier but also in the in the planning exercise of your roadmap what is going to be your to be process right so if you're bringing one of these sourcing or contract management solutions into play how are you going to use it right and what's the process going to look like from a business perspective with that application in the picture and then you, you you're able to jointly with it uh, create a target state architecture for your systems, but also for your business processes, right? And that's that's the key to me because if, if you just approach it from a technology perspective, then uh, you're going to run into trouble where the application is not going to meet your needs for specific things, right? And that's I think that it kind of touches to uh, a question you had earlier, which is like how you how you would approach selecting one of these, right? And if you know yeah. if you know your requirements and and what your company needs then that's what you're going to be looking out for so let's imagine i'm a category manager or i'm a procurement process lead or procurement center of excellence lead um and i've been tasked with sourcing a procure tech solution to improve procurement performance data quality visibility of spend data understanding what contracts we've gotten where so you know, a, a source to contract solution other other than what you already touched on about establishing strong relationships with IT to understand what the end game should be and and what's already out there um how would you go about that process of you know we we're, we're here at the moment that the budget's been signed off IT have committed that they have the resources to help with a project where do you go from that point through to selecting a vendor so on top of what I mentioned, as you as you said, uh, I think there's team selection, right? So even before you start thinking about technology and, and selecting that is 
who are your subject matter experts within the business for procurement uh, that know as well who your major stakeholders are and what their requirements usually are from a sourcing perspective or for contract management um, and bring them on, right? Bring, it, bring them on the team for selection of the tool and make sure they're your A players and not uh, not your C, your D, your E players, right? Because uh, often <laughs> often that'll be the case, right? Unfortunately, it'll be like, oh, okay, we're, we're selecting a new technology, uh, te- a new tool, like, who has extra capacity, right? And then you just send send them off. Yeah, no, I'm I'm laughing because it's it's so true. I mean, it's uh, it always used to be a running joke in previous companies that I worked for that if uh, if someone had the title special projects, it was usually the last thing that they did before they got fired. <laughs> Well, and and hopefully we can we can change that, and that's not always the case, right? But that's that's a big difference I've seen, right? But organizations that treat treat this as a um, not a tool selection, but a re-engineering of their processes and a, a leveling up of their maturity, and send their best folks in to uh, to take a look at uh, at the process and at the tools and and, and participate in the selection, will have the best the best results, right? Um, the other piece is. Uh, data quality. Uh, I think I think you've touched on this in, in previous episodes on your show, but starting to look at okay, well, what is our spend in these different categories? Which ones are the most important, and and which ones, from a requirements perspective, once we have the right people getting those requirements, which ones should have the most weight, right? Because they have the most impact on our business. And then from there, you would go into a, tra- a traditional sourcing process, right? But but even before you go out to RFI. You might be able to save yourself a lot of effort and, and steps just by going out and getting um, getting uh, databases of, of information that are already out there on uh, the numerous, like these 60 vendors I was mentioning, right? So a good example of that is uh, Spend Matters. I don't know if you're, you're you must be uh, knowledgeable in, in yeah, that Yeah, I know them, yeah. 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 So they have, they have this guide called the um, Solution Map, right? And they, they basically do an RFI with... Uh, these top 60 vendors in, in the space every quarter on a number of requirements and they ask them to uh, to come back and do solution demos and, and rate them, right? So they're basically doing RFIs on these solutions all the time. So you're able to kind of jumpstart your process by leveraging one of those accelerators, one of those, uh, Gartner does similar things, Forrester as well. So look out to those research firms. So that's one piece. Uh, which might help you to bypass the RFI process completely or at the very least um, lighten it a lot. Then the second piece is uh, making sure that oh, is making sure that um, that you're going and seeing other folks that have the solutions you're looking at and looking at how they're using them in their operations, right? You'll be surprised at, at how willing um, folks are to let you into their different, uh, their different offices, their different plants to show you how they're using the solution. And, and it, it allows you to create kind of a super user group later on as well, right? As you're implementing and then as, you, as you're as you operating with a solution, you're able to uh, to ask questions to your peers, uh, whether they be from a, in the same industry or, or, you know, in the same market. People will usually be fairly open to, to sharing what they've learned and, and how they're using the solution because they know that You'll come back to them later on, and, and they'll be able to draw on you uh, to say, "Hey, how are you guys approaching X, Y, and Z problem with this tool?" Uh, and, and you know, you do knowledge sharing in that in that way, right? So, doing those two big things at the start will set you up for success later on in the process when you're looking at uh, the RFP responses from from the vendors you've chosen, right? Because when vendors respond to you know 250 or 300 different requirements that you've put together, 
it's very hard to like there's all there's often nuance in the responses and and most vendors will try to find a nuance to be able to respond yes to your question to get those points so you're not necessarily always getting uh the the the, the correct the, what you're looking for as information right so get your hands dirty get it get in the yeah. solutions as quickly as possible uh, and and uh, before you make your choice if possible as well that's gold so if next time you're at a conference if you see joel you owe him a beer because he's probably taken about four weeks out of your project cycle just by following his advice there and joking aside i think oh it's no joke <laughs> going into go, going, going into a peer company and um and, and just looking at what they're using it for and how they're using it if they're not a competitor this is such a it's such an underutilized method uh, of being able to get clarity quickly um but very few companies use it yeah it's um it's it's a really important point and one that's yeah often very underutilized and I'll, I'll give you a, another example to illustrate why this is important right and it's it's the um it's when you're hiring someone individually like if you're hiring an individual and you don't do a reference check right like you it's something that's so easy to do, and for me, at least, I find it provides a lot of value because you know it gives you additional information, right? Uh, sometimes it can it can lead to different outcomes, but uh, it gives you additional information and it gives you uh, additional things to go on or an additional feeling to to go on to make your choice in, for a candidate, right? It should be no different for a system. Exactly, and 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 your company is not their company, but at least it gives you a snapshot, and and at least you can look at how they're doing things, and if things in your organization are different, you can factor that into the decision. But it's um it, it's a good yardstick, definitely. Joel, fantastic. Um, final question. If anyone would like to get in touch with you or maybe hire you to help implement their uh, their ProcureTech uh, software implementation, um, how can people contact you? Yeah, so I have um, a website called uh, pure, pureprocurement.ca uh, based out of Montreal, as you mentioned in, in the beginning. So mostly operating out of uh, North America. However, I do keep a blog as well, right? So I, I, I tend to reflect on these subjects personally from uh from time to time so uh just just coming on the blog and interacting with with me and with the content is is something that you can surely do and often i turn to to readers for uh inspiration on different subjects right so if you're wrestling with something and and uh not sure how to approach it or how to to solve the the problem you have at hand uh just get in touch right shoot me an email or even on linkedin pretty active there as well uh, and it, it might just be the subject of my next blog post, right? And that doesn't cost anything. So that's great. <laughs> that's a great way to get content ideas. <laughs> uh, Joel, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And yeah, keep in touch and all the best. Cheers. And just a quick request before we sign off today. If you know of anyone who you think would be a good guest on the show who's maybe got a story to tell of how they implemented a digital transformation in their organization. I would love to have them on as a guest because, you know, stories are just such a better way of conveying the message uh, than, than interviewing founders and CEOs of software companies because it kind of tells how one organization with one specific solution has experienced the journey and, you know, some of the pros and some of the cons and some of the key learnings that they got from that. So if you do know anyone, then please connect with me on LinkedIn or drop me an email and I would really love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. Take care and speak to you again next time. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the ProcureTech podcast. 
If you like the show, then please subscribe or even better, why not write us a quick review on Apple Podcasts? It would not only really make my day, but it would also help our mission to enable procurement and finance leaders to become more data-driven through the power of digital transformation.